come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Donna. I'm your poltergeist, Mac. And this week, we watched the brand spanking new release of Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, based on the book by Paul Tremblay. So, yeah, we when we braved the theater for it. And, yeah, so let's go around real quick. Did you like it? Did you not like it? And we'll jump from there. With a warning that, especially with an M. Night Shyamalan movie, it's going to be very impossible to review the movie without spoiling a little little bit. So we're probably going to be into spoiler territory a little quicker than normal. Yeah, I I agree. So yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, just pause it, come back to us, because we'll we'll probably, with this film, we'll be in spoiler territory, like, before you even realize it. Oh yeah, we're going to spoil the hell out of it right away, so. Yeah. I actually would like to, before I say if I liked it, I watched it at Muskogee's Apex Cinema, and I I love Muskogee's Apex Cinema. It's a very self-serve cinema, which means I got a giant popcorn bucket and a large drink for $13. Nice. Hallelujah. Praise. Praise. I went to Eaton Square, similar deal, uh, but I'm I'm back on my diet, so I didn't get any snacks, but I, th- their snack game's on point. But the whole, I, I've said it before, the whole place is a weird early 90s time capsule. Uh, like, it's the movie theater that time forgot. I love it there. So, um, it, it, I do really enjoy, I'm sorry, Kenzie. Oh, no, I was just, I was concurrent. I was like, yeah, Eaton Square is kind of wild. Like, it's, it is a weird little... It's been a while since I've been there, but yeah, it's it's uh it's it hasn't a, changed uh, yeah. it's, it's since I saw Home Alone there in 1990. <laughs> As to did I like it or not like yeah. it? Here is the problem I have with any M Night Shyamalan film. I have this whole concept of being able to trust your author, being able to trust your director. For instance, I trust Stephen King. Stephen King puts out some clunkers. I love him, but he does. But I trust that he's not lying to me. I don't trust M. Night Shyamalan anymore. I watch the entire movie in a constant state of skepticism, in a constant state of you're lying to me. And that really stops me from being able to get lost in the movie and enjoy it. You have a, a, a twist allergy, Donna, and I and I say this with no judgment. I, that's an, a sober assessment of your uh, of, of your feelings. I mean, like I've I've probably gushed about how much I loved the Sixth Sense, which which for any one of you who have missed it, I was in vet school when the Sixth Sense came out, which meant I was not watching any TV. I was not, I mean, nothing. I did not know anything about the Sixth Sense. I did not know there was a twist in the Sixth Sense, which means when the twist hit, I was taken by complete surprise and I loved it. I loved it so much. I was so happy. And then I loved Unbreakable. Unbreakable made me so happy. And then it was like, he just kept trying to do that. And by the time we came to the village, spoiler, 
the car came by and I was like, was that supposed to surprise me? Was, <laughs> well, I, I, I never doubted that this was contemporary. Was that supposed to be a, a surprise? I, I had the exact opposite reaction to the village. About halfway through, I thought, oh, I bet the twist is that this is all taking place in modern times. And then I sat with that thought for about 20 seconds. And I said, nah, that would be the stupidest fucking twist for this movie. And I'm sitting there at the end. I'm like, well, apparently it was stupid. <laughs> I am the surprise because the when that car came by, I was like, <gasps> like, no, I, I'm surprised. I am so. I'm surprised with the village. So, yeah, the problem I had with this film, and apparently I just can never enjoy an M. Night Shyamalan film ever again, is that I've, I've just completely lost trust in him. Um, there were some things about it I really did enjoy. I really enjoyed the characters. I really, I don't know why I have cannot grasp the concept that Dave Bautista can act because I'm shocked every time he does it. Like, oh my God, that big guy can act. Um, there were definitely some things I did enjoy about it, but overall, I just was pretty meh about it. Heck. I uh, acknowledge everything that you're observing, but having a different reaction to it. I think inevitably the quality of an M. Night movie is going to be tied to the twist. Um, the Sixth Sense was great. Unbreakable was great. I We've already crapped on The Village, so 2004 called it wants its hot take back. Um, <laughs> Uh, but when you think about Signs, Signs has no twist, really. There's no, oh, Mel Gibson was an alien all along or, you know, anything along those lines. So it kind of is in there. And I almost am comforted by the fact that there's not a twist. Like the absence of twist is about the only twist M. Night can sell anymore. I liked a lot of the character work. I think as I pulled away from the movie over the next couple of the last few days, uh, I have a lot of problems with, like, I don't know about plot holes necessarily, but just I, I, some questions about the logic of the movie. Um, I enjoy slash am a little uncertain about the fact that we're not really getting a lot of backstory for uh, the Bautista boys, as I'm calling them, boys with a Z at the end. Um but Bautista is not only a good actor, he is easily the best actor, big A, uh, to come out of the wrestling world. I mean, you have The Rock, and he's a movie star, but that's a different thing. That is a different thing. Bautista can act. Uh, like, you know, if he wanted to do a revival of Death of a Salesman, I don't think he'd get laughed out of that theater, whereas The Rock might. Um yeah. So, yes, I think I liked it, but uh, as to what uh, was a candidate for poll question, like, where does it rank in the M. Night movies? I'm going to put it mid-tier. It didn't make me mad like The Village or Glass did. Uh, and I think that helps that it didn't have a twist ending that would have pissed me off. Um, but it's not upper tier like uh, like the first three big movies he had, uh, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs. Yeah, this film... It, I kind of going to be mirroring kind of both of your answers. It was just meh for me. Like there, and I wasn't going in expecting a twist. The little bit that I'm familiar with the author, because I've only read one of his books, but I really enjoyed it. So I was expecting more unreliable narrator, mm. which the book I read, he did very well, which I could see 
this having like you're unfamiliar with what if this is really happening you know what they're telling you is true um you you say you read a book did you read this book or no no i read a head full of ghosts by the author which is he that is very unreliable narrator and it's fantastic still one of the best and scariest books i've read will always uh be up there this one's been on my my list to read it just i haven't read it yet i i think batista is the best thing going on with this film and i do love groff sauce but batista can only carry this so far and the couple moments in it he becomes very and no no fault on him a a little bit one note just but i don't think that's on him i think that's the material but yeah just very very meh And, and like you mac very middle of the road like I, I put this and glass as my kind of middle of the road. Ooh, I hated glass real hard. That ending in glass made me mad. But keep oh, going, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, where split is bounces from mid to high tier for me. I was like I said, I was okay with the with no twist, but it was just meh. Just like we got out of the movie and just really didn't talk about it. Usually, like we go see a movie together, especially for this. Like, oh, you know, what do you think? You know, we'll we'll have a whole car ride home conversation and it wasn't until I was transcribing my notes yesterday I was like hey what did you know what did you think about this and we you know we just started talking about it and it was just kind of eh. but for those of you who do not know what this is about our good good buddies at IMDB want you to know that while vacationing a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. Yeah. Also, though, uh, you know, I didn't think I needed a super gritty remake of My Two Dads, but but here I'm we glad are. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> the twist is that, you know, My Two Dads, it's not two heterosexual men that could be the father. Well, if they remade that show now, it, it, w- it would have to not be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here, Here is... My first gripe. All right. I feel like the whole movie, and when you read the story, I want you to tell me if I'm right or not. Okay. I feel like the whole story was setting us up for when to decide to die. In fact, Dave Batista has a line. I'm sorry. Yeah, spoiler. Um, Dave Batista has a line about how you have to be careful what you say to children because they will believe you. And that's the line I was actually trying to find before we started recording. It's near the end. It's right before he offs himself. But he he talks about how when you're talking to children, you have to be careful what you say to them. And and this is after Wynn has gone off by herself to the treehouse. And I feel like the whole movie was setting that out because Wynn is such a remarkable child. You know, she gives she gives Daddy Eric the knife. You know, she runs off by herself when is remarkable and then she goes off by herself to the treehouse and then uh leonard talks about how children you have to be careful what you tell them because they'll believe you and i feel like that's what the movie was setting up was that when was going to decide to sacrifice herself and then they decided to have eric decide to sacrifice himself and i just that was i think one of my biggest complaints is that they maybe that was supposed to be the twist. I don't know. I don't know what the twist was supposed to be. I don't think there is one. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Fair. Maybe I was spent the whole time looking for a twist and didn't, and maybe that was my problem. I don't know. I have not read the book. I just glanced at a spoiler for the book because there was some controversy that the ending of the movie and the ending of the book are distinctly different. And that's what I was gonna talk. I was gonna bring yeah. up, but I, I mean, didn't deep dive on what the difference is. <laughs> when does die in the book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So see, there you go, Donna. Yeah, when I suspected that for a good part of the of the of the movie, and then that line from Leonard was like, "Yep, that's what's going to happen." Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think they should have cut that line from him. That that feels like a flaw. Like it feels like it's a pretty. I mean, I, again, I haven't read the book, but it feels like maybe it's too faithful of an a- adaptation from of the book until the end. So you have this whole narrative structure to support an ending that's never coming. Yeah. Exactly. Having said that, Wynn may be the best thing in this film. I don't know. She's she's just fantastic. Wynn is really good. Mm-hmm. That stare that she was giving. Um, what's the character's name? Um, where are you? Adrian? The waitress. Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Ar- 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 Adrian, according to IMDb. Right. The stare that she was giving Adrian when Adrian fixed her breakfast was just was was much better than a child saying fuck off and die because the stare and and M Night for all of his flaws casts and directs children exceedingly well he does and that is, it's not an easy skill and we've seen it biffed a, a, way too many times to discount that yes yes as as Mac pointed out several weeks ago uh, the poor poor performance out of Drew Barrymore who we know can act remarkably well as a child actor. By the way, slight tangent, and and, and we can cut that out. Okay, so the kid from the new uh, Firestarter got a Razzie nomination, and everybody's like, ah, oh, no. And then Razzie was like, okay, sorry, we shouldn't nominate kids. First of all, yeah, that movie's bad, but that kid was fine in that movie. Yeah. Unwarranted at any age. Yeah. Okay. Rant yeah. concluded. No. Nope. I, I, I support that rant. Don't cut that, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So, Wynn was fantastic. She was amazing in this in this film. Um, it, it, in the Kristen top three, oh, go ahead, Cooey. Kristen Cooey. Yeah. Top three elements of this movie: uh, number three, when number two, Batista. Number one, the bookshelves in that cabin. I want them. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll co-sign. I'll co-sign off of that, Matt. Yeah. I guess for me, one of my my issues with this film, well, I mean, I have a couple, but one of them, the pacing felt off to me. That mm. sometimes it, this movie felt very long. It's an hour and 40 minutes. This movie felt very long, and other times it felt very rushed. The pacing was never really set, and I think Redmond's death as fast as it comes I think that really screws everything up because once you get to Redmond's death, then the suspense is gone because the family's safe. They're not going to, they're not, to me, that just killed the suspense. And that was my problem with the gun scene in the car when uh, Daddy Andrew's going to get his gun. I knew he was, I mean, I knew he's going to get hurt, but I, I wasn't worried for him. I wasn't concerned. Same thing when Wynn ran away. I wasn't concerned like that. It, Redmond's death killed every little bit of suspense that they had 
they had start building up. I was like, okay, I was kind of feeling it. And then now I'm like, well, there's no real danger to them. They're the not. Stakes, yeah. the, the stakes are just now hoo-pooed. The, I agree with that. I think the situational stakes of this group versus this family uh, gets deflated pretty quick. But I think I kept with it in the movie for as long as I did because especially with an M night movie, I was like, okay, there's three endings possible. There is, uh, this is all bullshit. The Bautista boys are right. Or some third out of left field ending. Cause I'm watching an M night movie yeah. and I'm like focused in on that. And that's where the suspense comes from. Where is this ending gonna, gonna land? And that's where it was uh, maybe disappointing, maybe sort of a, re- a relief that it ended up being one of the two endings I could define. I agree completely. I was having this exact exact same thought yesterday. I agree with Kenzie that um, Redmond slash Rory died too quickly. O'Bannon, Redmond slash O'Bannon died too quickly because Eric picking up on the fact that O'Bannon was the guy that attacked them in the bar was what gave him the plausible hook that it was all bullshit, you know? And so Redmond dying so fast, Redmond kneeling down and putting a hood on so they could kill him was what gave it, gave them credence, okay? If if Redmond had been the second or third to die, then Eric's objection that, no, that's the guy that attacked us in the bar, this is bullshit, would have made a whole lot more sense. Eric's objection that that's the guy that attacked us in the bar after he's already knelt down and let them murder him. It didn't, it didn't work. You know, Mm. if he's there to commit a hate crime, he needs to still be alive for that objection to work. And if they had flipped the order by, by not flipping the order there, the sincerity of the two women lent credence to the argument. I don't know. I felt like, I felt like the order of the deaths of the people didn't work if they wanted the audience to continue to doubt whether they were sincere or not. So that's my opinion. Well, and also between the two men, Daddy Andrew was always the one that he came across. He was protesting too much. Like, I don't believe that. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. Which to me, that's like, I think you kind of do, my guy. Like, you're you're way too you know no 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 i don't want to you know i don't want to hear about it it's like i I think they're kind of getting to you my dude i think leonard pegged it of course he pegged it too late but i think leonard pegged it when he said you already do believe it another thing with this film i thought that was a very odd choice to me which i'm not I, i mean i don't need to see it but for it being an r rating it shies away from gore and i thought that and I thought that was a, it was just odd. Like, I, like I said, I don't need to see what, it, you know, mm. how those weapons are actually used to kill each one of them. But the fact that you're pulling away, like, I just, I, I thought that was weird. Like To the, the point where I thought it was a PG-13 movie as I walked out. Just you saying it was R now. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, about the only R thing i could see was batista's death at the end was a little on the vivid side right but his is the only one and it's like i mean i'm not saying let's see (laughs) the tendons in the neck or anything but you're and you're not 
completely being from Wynn's point of view, like if you shot those things from Wynn's point of view and then her turning away and not looking, that's one thing. And I can and I can follow that, follow why you would pull away, but you're not doing that. That brings up an interesting question that I think fundamentally, it was M. Knight the right director for this? Because he, his whole oeuvre is really PG-13 leaning. There's, he's only directed a few R movies, so he just may not have an instinct for gore. Um, would another director have handled it differently, more violently, and then would we be watching it and be less expecting of uh, that, that O. Henry twist? and be able to just go along with the story. It's a good point. I think anybody else directing this, I would have just watched it. I think, yeah, I think you might, I think you might be onto something, Mac. I think, I think this material in a different director's hands, I think there's not a, I'm going to use Donna, (laughs) for example, here. There's not a preconceived notion of, okay, what's the twist? Like waiting for it, that, I think when he when when M Night shines, it's his own stuff. It's his own stuff, and he he builds it how he wants to, and he takes chances. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But I think with this, I don't think this is his wheelhouse. I think yeah, I'm immediately thinking Scott Derrickson could have done it. Yeah, Flanagan could have done it. Oh Uh, gosh, Flanagan doing it. Sorry, I gotta have a moment. All right, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That's just right off the top of my head. If I thought about it longer, I could probably come up with a few more. Well, Flanagan, you could have got the conflict very well mm-hmm. and the wrestling. Granted, he would have turned it into a 10-episode uh, streaming series. Also, probably. Also, Fine. here for that. Here yeah. for that. But, yeah, like, I don't I don't think this is his his bag. Just his, his I think that's that may be it. Jordan Peele could have done it. I don't think he would have wanted to, but he could have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, just a few recasts. Yeah. Well, and even I don't necessarily hate the cast. It's they're working with with the best they can. Like Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, the little girl playing Wynn, she was fantastic. We've talked about Batista. I, I honestly, with the casting, I love that the... This is two gay men getting to play gay men. Like they're not, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. It's not the nineties answer, which is Nathan Lane and somebody else. Right. <laughs> I like that. I, like I said, there's, there's some good beats here, but it just, it gets buried by the missteps. Oh, there's, um, there's some fantastic, like for instance, um, them singing Boogie Shoes on the way up perfect and then at the end boogie shoes comes on daddy andrew turns it off when turns it on turns it off daddy andrew turns it back on that was heart-wrenching and yeah. then when daddy andrew turns it on that's the moment when you're like they're gonna be okay yeah they're gonna be okay Agreed. I think that that moment alone, because I'm leaving, that's the last beat of the movie. I think I left with a positive feeling of it. And then as the days unfolded, the more I thought about it, like the guts of it don't feel right. But that last moment is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> this is this may just be me being amused. 
But, you know, when they locked Leonard in the bathroom and then they opened the bathroom up, the idea that anybody is supposed to believe that Leonard fit through that window. I, I was like, what? Talk about deflating the tension. I, I was like, no, I, mean, I wouldn't. He didn't. And then, and then there was a moment when we're like, okay, maybe it's just, maybe it's just there's a perspective thing, and maybe that window is bigger than it looks. And then he actually stood in front of the window for a second, and I was like, oh, come on. He could eat that window. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's supposed to be funny, but that's fucking funny. It, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a big man. That's a big man. He's he's broad-shouldered. Yep. Barrel-chested. Uh, yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, oh, okay. he, he is a he he's a large dude, and that's uh, an adult human. I'd have trouble believing getting through that window. Mm-hmm. A Hauser tank, <laughs> also a bit of a problem. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And, and while we're thinking, I'm not sure how many rounds Daddy Andrew was supposed to have gotten in that weapon, but I'm pretty sure he fired more than that. I think I can only like confirm count three into that mm-hmm. clip before things had to go. I'm, I'm willing to believe maybe he got one more in while the camera wasn't on him, but I'm sure. pretty sure he fired more than that. <laughs> that I started counting pretty late. I started counting at a point where I'm like, hold on now. Hold on now, Andrew. Hold on. Hold on. And Donna's like, I don't want to call shenanigans, Daddy Andrew, but I'm gonna need you to t- <laughs> There was there was a lot of trembling and a lot of bullets getting dropped there. <laughs> as I pantomime <laughs> loading a, a clip. <laughs> So. I'm just saying, when I have to reload in Fallout 4, it's a lot quicker, Daddy Andrew. And there is usually something breathing down my neck. So I'm going to need you to be better. <laughs> oh my gosh! So now, talk about the uh, talk about the scene where uh, Daddy Andrew purchased that uh, that oh, that yeah. that weapon. It was a moment, and uh, well, okay. There's a couple things here. We record and all live in Oklahoma, so there's some baggage there. <laughs> That's a fair warning for anybody. We, uh, we live we live in a red state. Spoiler alert to those of you who didn't know. <laughs> arguably the reddest of the red. I don't know if Florida's uh, really trying, Mac, but anyway. Florida's really trying, but they always have to wait a couple hours to call it on election night. Us, seven o'clock and one second. We have a projection. <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Um, continue, please. Continue. Speaking of, speaking of suspense, there's at least suspense in Florida. No suspense here. No we suspense are the here. knock at the cabin, and Florida's the sixth sense. <laughs> no surprises here. Anyway, where our collective politics on this podcast will be perhaps against the grain of the state. The movie takes place in Pennsylvania, as all of M. Night's movies do. Maybe even Avatar The Last Airbender takes a <laughs> second to be like, hey, how about them Phillies? 
Well, I wonder if the the book took. I'm I'm getting lost in a couple of tangents, but he, I'm, I'll get there. I'll get to the gun. The, I wonder if the book took place in Pennsylvania or M. Night is like, well, it takes place in Pennsylvania now. I don't know what happened. Uh, there's the flashback to uh, Daddy Andrew buying the gun, and he is having an emotional breakdown in the gun store, and and the salesman has no problem with that. And I was like, you know, really, we maybe shouldn't be selling guns to people with that kind of a of a, of a vibe. I mean, I you know, maybe the Second Amendment wasn't written to encompass vibes, but you know what? It also wasn't uh, written to encompass common sense and automatic weapons. But that's another discussion for another time. But then I, I mentioned that as we were talking about things, and Don was like, it, I, she had no problem with it. And I'm like, yeah, Oklahoma, you almost have to be that bereft, or they're not going to sell you the gun, because do you really want it at that point? <laughs> you don't want it bad enough. <laughs> yeah. And if you want it bad enough, maybe, maybe, eh, too, <laughs> So, Mac, you did bring up the flashbacks. That, this is another quibble I have. I know the flashbacks are supposed to help us to care and get to know about about the three of them, but I it did not it did not help me. Like mm, I would have yeah. I would have rather I I would have rather that have been front loaded, not all of it, but like a good chunk of that front loaded to see what they were to see what everything is like before. Like I'm gonna um, for example, the Hills Have Eyes remake that takes about. 20 30 minutes to go off the rails so to speak but you have that time to know this family that is driving across country in a Winnebago and to care about them you have that time I'm like I said I'm not needing 20 30 minutes with this but I I don't I think that's the flashbacks also broke what little tension there was well and it it also I think goes to I mean the oldest trick in the it, it, trick in the book. It's not even a trick. We're, we're M Night seep into our brains. Everything has to be a trick. <laughs> um, Chekhov's gun. You introduce the gun, it has to go off in the third act. Uh, but we, they already talked about the gun. I don't need the emotional context of the gun necessarily as well. Because we have they they mentioned you brought the gun, didn't you? Yes, it's in a safe in the back of the car. Okay, great. Let's. Not talk about the gun until it comes back up again. But we also get the, I'm going to buy the gun. Or was that in the middle of him loading the gun? That they flash back to him buying the gun? I don't remember. I don't remember. Lifts right out. And then, of course, it's M. Night. So then it can't be Chekhov's gun. That's too linear and literal of a plot device. It's got to be M. Night's gun. We'll talk about the gun. Then we'll show you the gun. Oh, wait, the gun's a demon from hell. It was a demon from hell all the time. It's a fifth horseman from the apocalypse again. Right. <laughs> aim. It's it's aim. Yeah. <laughs> Since the horsemen of the apocalypse are now different, <laughs> that that gun is aim. Oh, I forgot about the horsemen. So just for audience context so they know, the current version of the four horsemen of the apocalypse are malice, nurturing, healing and guidance. Just so everyone's on the same page. Malice, sure, I get that. That's a great addition to the Horseman of Apocalypse. I think we should have had that for a while. Why is nurturing bad? Why is healing bad? Why is guidance bad? Especially if it's someone like Leonard. Like, right. That An is absolute angel of a man who could absolutely take down some fools that, you know, yes. are going to, yeah. Why? Why is Leonard 
Can you imagine him as your second grade teacher, though? Can you imagine yourself dope as, as hell, as right? this tiny little little human being going? I will not run around the classroom. He would have been my favorite and, teacher. I would still be talking about him as a grown yeah. person. Like, let me tell you about my second grade teacher, Mr. Leonard. And then blah, 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 blah. Like, And he's gentle as all get out. He's like, we're going to count to five. And, you know, it, it, it's it, he doesn't have a mean or reflexive bone in his body, which I think is a great choice for the story. It makes him more menacing that there is no menace to him. And he has to do all these terrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Though he he did beat the hell out of Daddy Andrew when when he came out of the bathroom. Yeah, he didn't like it. No, he wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. Did y'all notice um, right after Leonard died and Eric and Andrew were standing together, there was a plane falling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. behind them. I just thought that was a neat touch. Just just this quiet little plane just. So the the first I think uh, phase of this they they uh, it's the it's the tsunamis I think or the, the earthquakes and the tsunamis and they got yeah. footage from Hawaii or no no it was Oregon it was on the uh, yeah. the beach in Oregon and somebody's got a cell phone camera and and it starts you see the water coming toward everyone how did they get that footage out it was a live stream okay okay why was it still recording after the water uh, hit magic. There we go. Now that's I'm your, good. That's your twist. That's your twist. That's it. Like all cell phones are magic. <laughs> what a, a twist! Po- yeah, a pop apocalypse magic. <laughs> that's the name of my uh, my punk album that's coming out later this year. Apocalypse magic. So uh, yeah. find it on your local Spotify. Mm-hmm. My favorite. My favorite part of that were the bodies in the wave as it was. Like, yeah. that's a good live stream. I, you know, the, the, the end of that is brought to you by AT&T. Yeah. And I'm going to have more to say. <laughs> I'm going to have more to say about AT&T before the podcast is over. Just you guys wait. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because the first plague is that. The second plague is basically the the virus. Mm-hmm. The, and then the third is the planes virus schmirus book was written in 2018 oh that is scary a virus 2023 a virus yeah and and here we are yeah 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 (laughs) yeah i had about that reaction yeah it's like yeah like i get it's in the middle so you want to like you want to open strong and close strong and then Mm -hmm. your your weaker stuff's in the middle but i think it just that one lifts right out like yeah. which, which virus? I'm sorry. Like, Was uh, it COVID? Uh, and, and, right. RSV? Monkeypox? The flu? Super it, it's, flu? It's a respiratory disease? That That's the most boring ass shit you've put in a movie night. I'm not kidding around. How about super Ebola? Okay. Yeah, super so- Ebola? Something flesh melting. I need, I need more <laughs> from my theoretical plagues. We're, we're jaded, M. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Jaded. Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything else? Because we kind of keep, I feel like we're circling back. No, just Wynn is fantastic. That's it. Wynn is fantastic. She's awesome. I want to be half as awesome as Wynn. Yeah. The the M. Night Shyamalan Hitchcockian cameo, he's on like a QVC type program. Yeah. 
And then QVC is interrupted for a, a news break. I don't think they cut into news on QVC. I didn't take it as QVC more. I took that more as uh, if you ever watch TV like on the weekend and they're like, hey, here's this infomercial show. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I withdraw the objection. Good on you, Knight. Cocaine Bear looks amazing. I saw a trailer for that with it. I was like, oh, man. And then my wife was asking me, like, have you heard about this movie Cocaine Bear? And I'm like, yes, and it looks amazing. And she's like, no, 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 you got to see the trailer. Like, poster alone, you're like, I don't know about this. And then you see that trailer, and like, yeah, I want to see that Cocaine Bear. Oh, actually, I forgot to mention, uh, trailers let me down. I was running just a little bit late, and I thought it won't be a big deal because trailers will be fine. I walked in just as Wynn was running around to her dad's to say, we got, there's a strange man here. And I was like, well, shit. So I missed the very beginning of the movie. It was. I don't feel like I suffered for it. Yeah. It it was just setting her and Leonard up because she's catching grasshoppers and her and Leonard have a nice discussion about catching grasshoppers and naming them. And it just, you know, and it's, it's some beautiful framing of the two where they, M. Night frames Batista even larger, so it's a lot from Wynn's perspective, which God bless him for making Batista look even more imposing and terrifying to a, you know, a second grader, and he did it, and basically you missed a fake out, Donna, where you're like, oh, this is what I'm getting into, okay, so. M. Night did a fake out? Yeah. The devil, you say. What? What? Okay, so then, well, Donna... You have our quote. Everyone in the world can die as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Man. Which actually I want I want to, I want to pontificate on that for just a minute. I think Daddy Andrew did believe earlier than Eric did. I think he did believe. Um and he didn't care. I think all he cared about was his little family and that was it. And he didn't care if the world burned. Yeah, and that was and I think that was the whole protesting too much. All right. Macula, you have our rule. Do not fly ever for any reason. It's dumb. They haven't really worked out the technology yet. So outside of the movie, don't 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 go. Because it has anyone ever had a good flying experience? And okay, I wouldn't. You know, yeah. actually, I I I love flying. You, you, okay, well, that's going to answer the 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 poll here. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't hate flying. it feels like a ride and that's how I look at it so I loathe it I loathe flying if there is any excuse not to fly I will take it I uh, yeah so you would rather be stuck in a car for however many hours yeah easily oh Oh, Mac yeah because I I can stop I can hey if there's some food there we can stop Uh there I I I, I choose the music. There's not some rando sitting next to me. Uh, yeah, no, I, ooh, I'm not just handing my luggage over to somebody and just trusting that they'll get it to where it needs to go. Yeah, flying's bad. But in this movie, if you never got on an airplane, your odds of survival uh, shoot up to uh, uh, quite a bit. All right, so then that's going to segue into our poll question. Well... There's three of us, so who who has to die to stay off the apocalypse? I think it's got to be me because I'm the only one that doesn't like flying. But you know, <laughs> I, uh, uh, hmm. I, I <laughs> Donna does not disagree. <laughs> no, I I volunteer. 
I I don't want to live in an apocalypse. I'm mm. just like I I just don't want to. I I've had root canals. I don't like them. I've got I got bad knees. I just like no. I volunteer. See, that's kind of me. I volunteer too because I got bad. <laughs> I got like dry skin, and I this skin. Look, I'm gonna be <laughs> doing things to get good lotion in the apocalypse that I don't even want to like voice out loud just so I can have some lotion on or some chapstick. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to do, I want to live through that. So that is, you know, that is why. Plus if we're from a movie standpoint and I'm going to be arrogant here, it would be heart wrenching. Be like, Oh no, not Kenzie. She has made the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> I'd be pulling at the heartstrings for the audience. Like, yeah. If we're doing it movie wise, I, I mean, I've been on the record before saying that if the apocalypse happens, I'm 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 the guy at the CDC that's going like, no, you guys go ahead. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I, I, it's been brought up several times. In fact, I listened to some episodes in the period when I was not on the show, and it was brought up that that was my stance <laughs> on the issue. Um, so I apparently asked yes, I would volunteer, but then again, I'm the baby, so I can't volunteer. I'm I'm little when. <laughs> I I think that might make me. Daddy Andrew. Oh, and I'm Daddy Eric. That actually, that oh, tracks, no. that tracks actually. So. Yeah. All right, I guess I'll turn on boogie shoes and let's go. <laughs> this took such a weird and dark. It did. It, it went a direction I did not expect. All three of us are a little too eager to die. That's what I'm learning at the end of this podcast. <laughs> And now Mac and I are driving away. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is not how I expected this to go. Nope. <laughs> the bad knee. I mean, all of it fits. <laughs> anyway, on that note, let's please, let's get to happy. <laughs> yeah. Let, we're all going to die. Happy place. <laughs> place. Mac, you, you kind of have been teasing happy place. So I'm going yes. to ask you to go first. I would like to speak briefly, and really all of the Party Apocalypse podcast will have at least a slight tangent about the American Telephone and Telegraph Company, AT&T. Uh, so last Saturday, our Wi-Fi completely crapped out. Got on the horn with them, tried to do some tech support. They said, well, we just don't support your, your kind of Wi-Fi anymore, so we're going to have to convert you over to our new fiber. We can get somebody out on Thursday. I'm like, that's a week from now. It's a week from now. They're like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I guess nothing. Uh, and then it, they got somebody out here and it took them two days to get it all set up. Multiple trips. We had to call off from work to be here. And it was it, just a, a hideous thing. But all during that time, I had podcast prep to watch, not for this show, but for The Holodeck is Broken. I had to watch all of Deep Space Nine season one to be ready for shows that recorded yesterday. What is a boy to do? Of course, I've got Deep Space Nine on disc. AT&T's going to have to bring kryptonite if they're going to stop me next time. I got discs. Happy place. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I saw that going when it started, but I like it. My happy place, it's Shudder. Shudder is always a joy to me. Uh, in the past couple of days, they dropped one. They dropped part three of In Search of Darkness, which is a fantastic documentary about horror film in the 80s. Part three is apparently over five hours long. I'm here for all of that. Each part has gotten longer <laughs> each drop, so it's fantastic. So this is the final part. I'm here for it. Uh, and then they just dropped uh, Skin Marink on Thursday. So they're doing the Lord's work when it comes to horror, and I'm here for all of it. Donna, what you got? I've got a story. All right. 
I basically didn't eat yesterday. And so I ended up door dashing from Just Wings, which is Chili's, by the way. I don't know if you knew that Just Wings is mm-hmm. Chili's. And my order arrived. Now, because of some peculiarities of my house, which is out in the boonies of Muskogee, our yard is basically a swamp when it's been wet, which it has been. Okay, so the DoorDash driver, who was a pretty young woman, not, well, she she's pretty, I'm not disparaging her looks, but pretty young, as in young, brought my wings, which were cold and inedible. I sat down, ate about half of one wing when the doorbell rang and I had a moment of pure psychic intuition and I knew what had happened. I knew what had happened and I attempted to ignore the doorbell because I was in denial and the doorbell rang again. And my dad said, is that the doorbell? And I was like, God damn it. And I put my single wing down and went and answered the doorbell. And she said, we tried to go out that way because we thought that was the exit and we're stuck in the mud. And I looked, our house sits in the middle of two and a half acres. She had made it almost to the next house before she sank to the axles in the mud. So I went and got my dad because my dad has a four wheel drive F 250 super duty diesel truck. And I was like, dad, we have a delivery driver who lives in our yard now and we need to take care of the situation. So dad went and got his truck. I got his truck with him. We went out. We carefully explained that she needed to turn towards the south to get to the road. We got the truck. We started pushing her. She did not turn towards the south. And now she's put ruts in our neighbor's yard. And And it um, turned out the delivery driver was dead the whole time. So... (laughs) Uh, so dad once again explains that she needs to turn towards the south we get in the truck we try again she still doesn't turn towards the south and now my dad's ford f-250 diesel four-wheel drive super duty massive truck is also sunk to the axles in the mud so um at this point i call triple a triple a tells me it will be approximately two and a half hours before a tow truck gets there and so we decide to contact the rednecks that live in the neighborhood around us. Because where we live, everyone owns a tractor and or a giant truck. And the neighborhood mobilizes. It was fantastic. Okay, listen, we do live in a deeply red state and we are surrounded by people who fly Trump flags. And I do have opinions about that, but they are well-equipped people who fly Trump flags. And I will be extremely grateful forever that when needed, they came out with their giant trucks and their tow bars and their chains, and they got the door dasher out of the mud. And when my dad was no longer connected to the door dasher, he was able to get his truck out of the mud and everyone was saved. And about that time, the AAA tow truck arrived and I was able to go over and say, hi, thanks for coming out. You can go now. And it was it was, it was was great. I mean, I just really enjoy living in a neighborhood when there was a crisis. People just arrived and helped us. It was fantastic. So my food was inedible. And then I called DoorDash and said, can I please have my money back? And they were like, you can have one third of it back. 
I was like, eh, I'm not going to argue about this because I'm just tired. So I accepted one third of it back and went on with my life. So, mm. all right. So I'm not happy about that, but I also was not energetic were, enough to argue for more. You were happy with the neighborhood coming together for a common goal and helping, which is nice. Yes, yes that was nice. My cat was pretty happy about the situation. <laughs> yeah. So the cat was pretty happy about the chicken wings that were left out where she could get them. So anyway, rednecks. Woo! They get the job done. They get the job done when the job can be fixed with giant trucks and tractors and chains. <laughs> that sounds facetious. I'm not being facetious. I really am genuinely grateful for the help that was necessary last night when it was cold and wet and gross. Yay! And on that note, we are on social media. You can find us at Beyond Cabin on Twitter, also Instagram. We're uh, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods on Facebook, as well as BeyondTheCabinInTheWoods.com for our uh, webpage. I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Callista77. I am still on Twitter and Instagram at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin. I'm on Twitter uh, at Party Apocalypse, partyapocalypse.com for all your entertainment needs, including this show and other podcasts. The Holodeck is Broken, uh, soon disorganized a Criminal Minds podcast, and full runs of uh, Friendables, two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter, The Fourth Wall, and As the Myth Turns. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy, for making us sound fantastic and professional. Yay. Yay. We, we do appreciate it. And also, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you are so inclined, just uh, rate and review us. Smash that subscribe button. I don't know if we have a subscribe button. If we do, smash it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and don't read the Latin. Or maybe do. Twist! <laughs> you know what horror is?